Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by the Authentication, Validation, and Management Toolkit for those AP vendor maintenance teams that still have a mostly manual process and need fraud prevention at each critical step of the vendor maintenance process. Go to DebraRRichardson.com to see the authentication techniques, internal controls, best practices, and what template forms, vendor communications, and desktop procedures are included. Stay tuned. According to a late 2018 survey by an AP solutions company, more than two-thirds of AP professionals are validating the legal name and tax ID on the IRS Form W-9 by performing an IRS 10 match. What's more, vendors know that there is an IRS Form W-9 requirement, and they will provide and even prepare that form in advance, anticipating accounts payable professionals asking for it. So why would your company want to take advantage of the IRS acceptance to develop and use your own substitute Form W-9 when the current IRS form seems to be working just fine? I'll be answering that question coming up. Welcome to episode 41, One Reason to Switch to a Substitute Form W-9. So to answer the question, Why would your company want to take advantage of the IRS acceptance to develop and use your own substitute form W-9? One reason, information. I'm going to talk about two ways information comes into play. The first one is collect more information and the second one is collect the most updated information. So let's talk about the information that can be collected. Now I have identified one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, but you may have even more uh, data or information that you can collect depending on your company, your industry, and just whatever you want to do. So let's go ahead and get started. The first one I have is addresses. So the IRS form W-9 includes one address and this is typically what is being used as the address where the 1099 will be mailed. If there is a different remit address, a ship from, for example, a substitute form W-9 can capture those addresses. This is especially beneficial if the address on the IRS form W-9 is a PO box, which can be a red flag for a fraudulent vendor, so you know you always want to require and collect a physical address. 
which can be done on the substitute form W-9. Number two, contact information. So collecting contact information and email addresses are critical for future authentication and confirmation of any future changes. Collecting one form consolidates what can be a manual effort to search for this information on invoices, contracts, etc. at the time of vendor setup. Number three, diversity information. So vendors can self-identify or indicate if they have certifications based on socioeconomic factors such as veteran-owned business, etc. This information can be used for diversity and inclusion reporting, so it is beneficial to collect. The fourth one is the D&B number or the DUNS number. So this Dun and Bradstreet number can be used for supplier risk monitoring during or after the vendor onboarding process. It can also be used to identify a company's parent company and whatever its hierarchy is. So that information may be important to your uh, supply chain um, or sourcing team or procurement team so it can be good to include on the vendor record. Number five, insurance company information. So if your vendors are required to be insured, you can request the insurance company information so that you can reach out to request your vendor's insurance certificate. Now I know some companies will accept the insurance certificate to be supplied by the vendor, but other companies will reach out directly to the vendor's insurance company and uh, request that certificate. So if you are one of those companies that reaches out, then definitely you wanna collect the insurance company information and you can include that field or fields on the substitute W-9. The next one, number six, is industry codes. Now, industry codes, you can collect the primary North American industry classification system code, otherwise known as NAICS, N-A-I-C-S. I had to look up that acronym, by the way, because I never knew what it was. Um, or the second one is the Standard Industrial Code, or the SIC, S-I-C. Now, this information can be useful in reports, again, for the sourcing or procurement groups, so it is good to collect this information and have it on the vendor record. Now those are the six that I identified, but again, if you have any requirements for information that is company or industry specific, add it. One example would be is if you require an ISO certification, and if you do, add it as a question on the substitute form W-9. So let's talk about the second piece of the information reason to switch to a substitute form W-9, and that's collecting the most updated information. And I talked about earlier how vendors know you're going to ask for the IRS form W-9, so they will prepare it in advance, and they'll prepare it with the most current version at that time with the current company structure, the problem is, is that they generate it, 
they save it and then nobody ever updates it. So two years later, it's been copied and from copies on top of copies and it can be illegible if they're sending it through email or mail, but it can also be worse than that. Maybe it now does not reflect the name change that happened a year before and maybe that name change was just for internal structural purposes but your contact or the contact at the company that sent that old w9 in doesn't even know about it and they submit the same copy that they've been submitting for the last two years so now you're going to go and do your irs 10 match it's not going to match it's going to cause a back and forth between yourself and the vendor or the internal team member and the vendor and it just gets ugly. So if you have them fill out the substitute form W-9, then they always have to identify the most updated information. And I get it, they don't always have to, but if they have to fill it out, they may then seek to understand or identify the most uh, updated information versus just grabbing a form that they've had in their file for two years. So you get a little more, um, it's a higher potential for getting more updated information. And then the other thing for the more uh, most updated information is that for existing vendor changes, this form can force the review of the original data collected versus a resubmit of the original IRS form W-9 that was used for the original setup. And I have to tell you, I remember this very vividly when I was a practitioner. You know, we set up a vendor and then that vendor becomes inactivated or maybe they want to update their information. And so we always ask for an IRS Form W-9 so that we can revalidate it at the same time. And that revalidation process was there for a reason to catch any updates. So if you go back and you asked for their IRS Form W-9, they're just going to give you the same one that they gave you when you set the vendor up in the first place. And this is especially true for internals. They save those W-9s that they submitted to you two, three, five, six years ago so that when you ask for it again, they just pull it out. And again, that defeats the purpose. So having them fill out that new substitute form W-9 whenever there's a new vendor, whenever there's a vendor change, it again is a better potential for you to get the most updated information. And you and I both know you're not going to win any popularity contest asking for it, but you will protect your company and the vendor master file. Not only ensuring that that information that you received is the most updated information, but you're also validating that vendor is real, that it's the actual vendor, and so that protects your vendor master file from fraud. For all of you out there that already have a separate vendor ad change form or a separate vendor ad form, separate vendor change form that is collected along with the IRS form W-9, consider carefully if you can combine them to one. And I do suggest that. So I have a, a podcast, I believe it's podcast 17, where I talk about the IRS form W-8. Um, I believe it's the bin 
E that has like eight pages. And I talk about how, again, using a substitute form W-9 and the IRS allows that with the W-8 as well, uh, makes it a little bit easier because you can condense those eight pages down to one. So that's the same thing here. If you've got separate forms and you're asking for the IRS form W-9, consider carefully if you can just combine those. If your collection process for the IRS Form W-9 is separate in order to protect vendor sensitive data, such as the tax ID, which could be the social security number, then you may not wanna combine forms. It just depends on your process and who sees those forms prior to those being submitted to vendor maintenance. If you have a vendor self-registration portal that generates that substitute form W-9 and maybe collect some of the additional information, then you'll want to keep the forms separate. But if you don't, if you have, um, like a lot of people still do, so don't feel bad, a lot of companies still have fully manual vendor setup processes or at least partially manual vendor setup processes. So see where you can combine the vendor ad change form along with the IRS W-9 form where it makes sense for your company so you can collect more information and the most updated information. If you decide to look at uh, the substitute form W-9 to see if it's right for you and your company, ensure that you incorporate the IRS certification requirements related to the signature and other criteria. And I will put a link to that IRS PDF. It's the form W-9 PDF and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And if some reason the platform that you're listening to does not show you the links, I will also put um, a link to my website and you can look for episode 41 of the podcast and find the appropriate links in the show notes. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 41st episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast where accounts payable team members are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.